How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast. We have episode 20 for y'all here today. Um, really quick episode, honestly. Not a whole lot that happened this past week. PGA, we had a couple of events. We got the Open Teen Office weekend. MLB, we have a standings update for y'all. NBA, a couple signings. NFL, a little bit of news. And then we got some uh, ice bath and possibly something else if we have time. But before we get into the, the golf world, uh, NHL free agency opened yesterday, and there was a flurry of signings. Obviously, right after the period opens, there's a lot of guys that agree to deals with teams. There will still be a good bit of action for the rest of the week, though, however. So if you're into that, make sure to stay tuned as it is far from over. But we're going to kick it off here with some PGA. You know, we did not have anyone join the Live Golf Tour this week, which is good. Uh, but last weekend, we had two events taking place. One was in Scotland, and one was in Kentucky. And for the one in Kentucky, the Barbasol Championship, Trey Mullinax won the event at 25 under and won himself 666,000. So obviously a lesser event. Uh, you're not going to see really any of the top-notch guys competing in that. 25 under over four rounds is really impressive, though. Um, he's a guy that went to Alabama and knows Justin Thomas really well. And so that's good to see maybe another guy that's coming up and going to be producing on tour pretty consistently. But the main event was the Genesis Scottish Open. It was at the Renaissance Club in North Berwick, Scotland. Uh, this is the round everyone plays because it's right. It's the week before the Open at St. Andrews, and it's also in Scotland, so it's less travel and your body has more time to adjust. Uh, but for the second week in a row, Xander Shoffley took home the dub, and he finished the weekend at four under, shooting a 72, 65, 66, and a 70. So obviously a hard course. Really impressive from him as he's earned almost three mil over the past couple of weeks. He earned himself 1.4 mil this past week, but nonetheless, really impressive from him. I know it was a loaded field as everyone wanted to get geared up for the open. But I mean, starting today was basically the final major of the year. That's uh, the open at St. Andrew's Links, the old course in St. Andrew's, Scotland, a legendary course, probably the most iconic course in golf history. Uh, Colin Morikawa won the event last year, and due to them being many hours ahead of us here in the central time zone, round one is already wrapped up, and Cameron Young or Cameron Smith, excuse me, has the lead after shooting a eight under 64. So really impressive stuff there from him up to this point. I know he's a guy he won the players earlier, so really impressive stuff, and hopefully continue to see him producing on a consistent level. And then next weekend, we have a little bit of a lesser tournament, obviously, with it not being a major. But nonetheless, it's a big um, PGA Tour event each year, the 3M Open at TPC's Twin Cities in Blaine, Minnesota. Uh, Cameron Champ won the event last year. So maybe Champ will be able to defend a guy who has the most distance on tour, arguably, by average. Uh, so really impressive stuff to see. Longer course, so... Maybe we'll see Bryson finish higher after he comes off that wrist surgery. Yeah, Open should be great this weekend. Uh, like you said, started today in round one. Um, you know, looking for just some really good golf to play this weekend. Again, eight under on, on round one is, um, you know, should see some really good scores this weekend. Um, like I said, should be should be a good time. Like I said, I'm going to watch uh, this weekend when I can. You know, I got work uh, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but I'm going to try and catch as much as I can. Uh, kind of want to get breaks, but uh, – kind of wraps it up for the golf. Uh, you know, I'm wondering kind of if uh, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before that kind of after the last major of the year being the open, um, if it kind of opens this free agency period between now and the masters, um, 
you know, if, you know, maybe there's a couple guys who leave, go to the live, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how this path falls in the f- next few years. Um, you know, if there wasn't going to be a time for guys to kind of up and leave the PGA, it'd be after the last major of the year before the Masters starts or the Masters takes place uh, later on in the year. So um, do anything to watch in the next coming weeks. But we get into our MLB standings update. Uh, a lot of movement in the past couple of weeks. Uh, some teams ripping off some serious runs. Um you know, traded lines approaching uh, later this month in about a couple weeks. So um, should get hot right after the all-star break. Uh, but I'll let Brett kick us off with the AL East. Yeah, uh, really, really exciting times right now in that division, obviously. You still have the Yankees real hot as they haven't really cooled off at all um, since the season started. It seems like they're the best team in baseball right now. And AL East is the best division in baseball. Uh, currently, every single team, all five, are – Above 500, uh, really impressive things going on right now. Is the Orioles have currently won 10 straight, and their next game is tomorrow night uh, against the Rays as they fin- play them in a three-game set before the All-Star break. So that'll be fun to see how that plays out. Obviously, if they sweep, they could be in third place in the division with a couple of games going their way, uh, with the Red Sox and Blue Jays losing some. So that could be that could be fun to watch. It could be really impactful down the stretch. Um, but yeah, the Yankees at 62 and 26 is really, really impressive. I don't know if they're going to break the wins record this year, but I, don't, I just don't think they can stay hot for that long. That's the thing. Uh, the rest of the division, all within three and a half games of each other. So the two to five seeds are within three and a half. I mean, Rays at, in second at 14 back, Red Sox in third at 15 and a half, as well as the Blue Jays. And then the Orioles are in last at 17 and a half. But I mean, they're only three games out of being, you know, a wild card contender. And if it wasn't for the Mariners being really hot too, the Orioles would be a wild card team right now. So impressive stuff from the AL East as a whole. I know some teams like the Rays and Blue Jays are kind of underperforming for what they expected this season. Um, but the Orioles are playing really well. Um, and hopefully they can keep it going as they got a lot of promising stars and prospects in that farm system i mean they have the number one pick this upcoming weekend so hopefully another guy that's has some serious promise coming into the farm system and maybe add make his impact felt on the roster these next few years yeah no doubt um you know i think at least is going to field field four playoff teams uh the division winner and the three wild card teams uh you know the mariners may have something to say about that but um we'll kind of get into that in the al west in a second but i mean like you said, really exciting times, um, you know, really good to see the Orioles ripping off 10 straight and counting, uh, you know, a team that people were deeming was bad for baseball for years, you know, the, what they were doing. And now here we are and they have a better record than the team with the two best player two of the, but probably the two best players in, in baseball. And, um, you know, a team that just spent a billion dollars left off. They have better records than those two being the Angels and the Rangers. So, um, you know, I, I love to see it. I'm, I'm glad to see this division living, living up to its expectations as a whole. Maybe there's a couple of teams that have disappointed a little bit, but um the division in and, of, in and of itself has exceeded expectations this year, which is great. Um, move to the AL Central, which is a division that has done anything but live up to expectations. They've uh, let down a lot of people. Um, definitely the worst division in baseball. Uh, the Twins have stretched their lead over the Guardians to four and a half games and are the only team over 500 in the division at 49 and 41. Um, the White Sox sit in third, Detroit in fourth, and KC in fifth. And Casey has the fifth worst record in the majors. It improves from the last time. I think they were like the third worst, third worst last time. But again, um, you know, the White Sox just maybe the most disappointing team in baseball this year. Them, them are the San Francisco Giants, but it's got to be the White Sox to me. Um, you know, they were they were expected to be a team that was going to win 90 plus games and contend for a world, a world series. They were a hot pick to come out of the 
you know, out, out of the American League to go to the World Series. Um, people thought that the Blue Jays and the Yankees might beat each other up too much in the regular season, um, and people didn't know what the Astros would hold pitching-wise. But, um, you know, the White Sox have been nothing but a disappointment this year. Um, Detroit, again, being that bad, wasn't as expected. Um, but the Twins, nevertheless, have taken advantage and lead the division. Um, don't expect the Guardians, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, to make a playoff push for a wild-card spot. I just don't know if they're going to have the pitching to do so uh, come down the stretch of the year. I think this – after the all-star breaks kind of gut check time for a lot of teams, when you get at the end of uh, the end of July, you got another, you know, two months to play and um, you know, it's going to be who who's pitching and bullpens can really hold up the most. And so I think we're going to see some teams start to separate here in the coming weeks as we already have this past couple of weeks. So um, definitely gonna be something to look forward to a little bit. Yeah. And no, AL central pretty disappointing division as a whole, like you said, really, four teams in that division that should be doing better than they are. I mean, they have the prospects, they have the money, so it's kind of disappointing to see what they're doing. But nonetheless, it's making other divisions better and bettering other rosters. So, I mean, it's tough when your best team is eight games over 500 um, and not really competing for much other than the division title, which doesn't even seem like it's a lock yet. Um, So it's going to really come down to the final week or so in that division, which is going to be interesting. But as we shift over to the final division in the AL, the AL West, the Astros sit as, still sit atop the division and are tied for the second best record in the majors. Uh, they're looking really good. Four, 57 and 30 is their four and a half back of the Yankees overall. Uh, the Mariners have jumped into second, put themselves above 500, are also 10 games or also won 10 games in a row. Really impressive stuff from them, but they're 11 games back of Houston. So even if they still gain 10 games on Houston. They'll still be in the same spot they are now. Um, so they either need Houston to fall off or they're going to keep up their hot streak. The Rangers sit in third, a little disappointing season from them to this point. Angels in fourth, most disappointing team. Um, both teams just continue to be very bad with two of the best players on their team. I mean, the Rangers having, you know, Simeon and Seeger, and then uh, the Angels with Otani and Trout. It's just disappointing to see these duos really not do too well and not have much of an impact on their team, it seems like. So hopefully these guys end up in the right destination sooner or later, or at least in a destination that's competing and their season's not over in mid-July almost. Um, But yeah, I'd like to see them play a little better than they are. And then you have the A's that round out the division. And very, very interesting team there. Uh, It's funny to see their attendance totals. The Orioles in the past few weeks have had a big skyrocket in attendance, but no team compares to the Athletics, who looked like they were holding a low-A game at the Coliseum. Uh, Did not expect to see that, especially after, you know, last year, year before. They played pretty well, and they've had really good guys on their roster and haven't been able to retain them. So it's resulted in a huge drop off in, you know, ticket sales and everything, uh, losing money fast there in Oakland. And it's just really weird um, to see a team like that. So they just don't put their value in the right spots, I think. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a, it looked like a COVID game. It looked like like right after they opened up like stadiums for after COVID in 2021, looked like they had like 10% capacity. That's what it looked like. Um, not by design. I know they're in California, but not by design. Um, they just don't have fans that go to games. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the A's, like you said, they can't retain their players, but it's like, guys, they've, they've traded all their really good players away. It's, it's disappointing. I mean, the Matt Olson trade um, really didn't they, – they got almost nothing in return for him um, from the Braves and, and then the 
you know, I, I just, you know, they, they trade away Sean Manea uh, and a couple other guys. So it's like, you know, what are we, what are they doing over there? Um, you know, I, I would expect them to trade, you know, maybe the three or four best players for a combined haul of four turkey sandwiches, a couple ham and cheese and a, and a one small bag of chips at the deadline. Um, you know, may, maybe top prospect cash considerations. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what they're going to do over there. It's not like they're going to get anything of value. Um, I mean, their best player, I believe is a pitcher who is on the IL shoulder inflammation, which is never good. So, you know, there goes their only value they're going to get. So it's just, it's sad to see. I thought the era of tanking in baseball was over, but apparently it's not. Uh, the A's have just been tanking for the last two years and haven't done anything about it. So, um, you know, again, you can't just tank and get the first pick now. It's like the NBA, you, you get a lottery. So um, you get odds, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, we're going to move over to the National League now um, where the and the National League East will start out there. The Mets still have the best, the fourth best record in baseball. And still lead the division with a slim two and a half game lead over the Braves, um, who again got real hot. They've kind of cooled off, um, you know, as most teams do. You don't you don't win fourteen straight for a, for a whole you know a whole season. So um, you're gonna cool off and have your ebbs and flows. But they've kept it close uh, nonetheless. Uh, you know, Braves hold the fifth best record in baseball. Mets at the fourth. So I mean, they're they're tight there. Uh, the Phillies at just above five hundred in third place at nine games back. Again, maybe a team that could, could contend for a wild card spot. Uh, it should be interesting. It's going to be pretty wide open, I think, down the stretch for the National League wildcard spots. I think the Braves will definitely get one. The Padres will likely get one. But I think that third spot could be up for grabs, um, depending if, they, if you know Bryce can come back late in the season and play for the Phillies, um, who have been, been playing good baseball as of late. And then uh, Miami is in fourth at 12 games back. And then Washington is tied in fifth, is in fifth tied with the worst record in baseball with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, unlike Oakland, I don't expect this team to deal many of their players come the deadline uh, in late July. They're a super young core, um, you know, Kiba Ruiz, Josiah Gray, two guys having really good years who, who they acquired from the Dodgers last year's prospects in the Trey Turner and Max Scherzer trade. Um, their Hebert's had a really good year. Josiah's had a good year. Um, two young guys, they don't appear to be willing to part ways with superstar Juan Soto yet. Um, you know, maybe next year that they haven't really had many productive conversations on a contract. I know they've come close to reaching a deal, but, you know, Soto just hasn't pulled the trigger on accepting yet. But I don't, I don't expect this team to trade anybody. I don't really know if they have you know, off the top of my head. I think maybe Josh Bell could get moved, but, you know, he's the only, the only non-long-term piece they have. He's an older guy. Um, is he, yeah, he's a national, I think. But, again, I, I just yeah. don't know if they're going to move many pieces. Like, like I said, they're a super young roster, super, super young team. Um, so I'd expect them to hold on most of their pieces there, unlike the A's. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, that division as well. The Mets are playing really, really well. Buck Showalter's probably my NL manager of the year to this point. Um, just been impressive what he's been able to do with the team after being away for a few years. Uh, nonetheless, really close, exciting division and should be that way for the rest of the season. We're going to shift to the NL Central here. Uh, Milwaukee holds a narrow two-game lead over the Cardinals. We've been slipping just a little bit. Uh, both teams are above 500, and that's the only thing keeping the division from being just as bad as the AL Central. Um, you know, the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds have all had disappointing years. The Cubs especially just have been on a horrible slide lately. Um, kind of been a little overlooked. Um, you know, we're talking about 10-game win streaks. But the Cubs, I don't know what their record is in the last 20 games, but it's probably – really bad. And then the Reds, obviously, when you start the season three and 22, um, your season's pretty much over a month into the year. And then Pirates have just haven't done a whole lot. They haven't hit their stride. And it seems like they just keep staying in the bottom. Um, 
I'd like to see these teams be better, but there's only so many teams that can be good in the league. Um, so that's where it stands right now. The Cubs have the fourth worst record in baseball. Reds are a hair worse than them, but the third worst. So I'd like to see this division more than just the Brewers and Cardinals turn it around, but I just – I doubt it's going to be the season. No, it'll be a couple of years. I, I do think the Pirates and the uh, the Cubs have bright futures. Uh, the Pirates especially, uh, I believe uh, – I don't want to get his name wrong. Um, something O'Neal, their shortstop. Dude, six seven. Threw a ball 97.6 miles an hour across the diamond the other day. It's it's absurd. Um, the guy is a monster. He's a really good player. Uh, used to be in the Dodgers farm, actually. They traded him to the Pirates like a few years ago, uh, probably four or five years ago, in some trade at the deadline for a pitcher. I think it didn't end up working out for him. But um, I think it was in 2016. Again, not, not a guy who they would expect – they were expecting to have – be a monster it wasn't like he was a number two over a prospect at the time um he was a guy it was a rookie i think in, in a ball so um but yeah they have a they have a bright future him and henry davis uh gonna come up in the ranks in the next couple of years um you know if they keep key brian hayes we'll see uh third base and then it sounds like brian reynolds is gonna get brian reynolds will get dealt at the deadline this year not really sure where yet um you know we'll kind of get a little more clarity on that next couple of weeks but um he's a guy i think uh probably is out of there but i think most of that team is going to stay um that cole core is going to stay together for the most part in the next couple of years, but we'll switch to the NL West here uh, where the Dodgers have the second best record or tied for the second best record in baseball with Houston. And have grown their lead over the Padres to eight and a half games after winning 11 of their last 13, uh, including three of four against the Padres in LA. They've been on a tear, um, a lot of comeback wins lately, which is kind of something that they've been missing over the past year and a half. Um, you know, last year they struggled next year in games, Started this year, they struggled next year inning games and just kind of couldn't really win late uh, in, in close in close ball games. And they've done everything. Uh, they've done nothing short of that. They they've won a ton of close games. I mean, last night they came back down six nothing against the Cardinals and, and won seven to six, uh, scoring a bunch of their runs with two outs. So uh, late in the game in the eighth and ninth inning. So really impressive from them. Um, Padres on the other hand have been sliding. Um, Bob Melvin was my NL manager of the year or National League manager of the year last week, and I'm cha- I would be changing that at, at the moment if we were doing that now. If we were making picks now, it would be uh, Buck Showalter. Uh, the the Padres have had a monumental slide. Um, it's bad. I mean, they they need Tatis back as you know as desperately as they can right now. It doesn't look like they're going to be back for. He won't be won't be suited up for you know probably another month. So. Um, you know, the team's kind of gone cold. The pitching hadn't been great. The bullpen struggled, but, um, yeah, it's part of baseball. Your ebbs and flows. Uh, they're definitely a team capable of turning it around and ripping off 10 straight. Um, and then the giants are in third at 12 games back and sit just above 500. Again, a little disappointing year from them, not as disappointing as the white Sox, but, um, you know, maybe a little more expected for, for avid baseball fans to see the giants kind of take, take a step back this year, losing Buster Posey, uh, Kevin Gosman. While Carlos Rodon's had a great year. It's just, you know, not the same crew that they had last year. Brandon Crawford's not having a career year uh, this late in his season, this late in his career like he did last year. So, uh, and then Colorado and Arizona, 18 and 19 games back, respectively, and well below 500. No shock there. Um, the division's kind of shaping out how I thought it would uh, around kind of around the all-star break. Um, didn't know – I didn't expect the Dodgers to be up eight and a half games uh, on the Padres, you know, roughly going into the all-star break. But I'll take it nonetheless. Um, really good to see – despite kind of the injuries they've had in the bullpen um, and in the pitching staff, still winning games. Um, you know, every every game it's been different, front, front half of the lineup, middle part of the lineup, and the back end of the lineup coming up big. Um, you know, it's not just Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman. It's, it's all nine guys uh, on a day-to-day basis. So uh, really good to see there from them. And uh, NL West, 
what we thought might be the, the kind of the wild, wild west has not turned out to be that in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, division that going into the season was looking like the best in baseball. A couple teams are sliding, and then you obviously have, you know, Colorado and Arizona who have been really poor this year. So maybe we'll see a little bit of a turnaround, but not counting on it. I mean, those two teams and then with the Padres and Giants slipping a little bit, um, going to need to turn around if they want to make it interesting. But that'll round out the standings update that we have for y'all. Just a couple overall news points. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, this Saturday, the MLB draft kicks off. Uh, we will have a recap of the first 20 or so picks, as well as each of our team's halls and any Texas Tech players that were drafted, which they're most, most likely going to be for. Um, as well as any big college names who may, you know, slip to the back end of the first or any round after that. Um, mostly, I mean, if they're a big college name, they're probably not going to go past the fourth round or so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really looking forward to the draft, obviously, with the Orioles having the number one overall pick and playing pretty well right now. It's exciting. Um, already with a really good farm system, they have two of the top five prospects in baseball currently. And I think next year is going to be real promising. Yeah, no, I love the MLB draft. Um, I think it's cool for the first couple of rounds. Obviously, it gets uh, it gets a little little hectic after about round four when you get 20 rounds of a draft, which and it used to be longer. They cut it to 20 uh, past couple of years, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be watching on Saturday when I can. And then uh, got another news point here. The Toronto Blue Jays fired their manager, Charlie Montoya, this past week, and their bench coach, John Snyder, has been named as the interim manager, um, kind of a surprising move. Definitely wouldn't have picked this to be a move that happened at the beginning of the season. But, um, you know, that I, mean, I feel like that whole division almost, it's, it's been the Blue Jays, the Rays. It's just been kind of a, a nonstop slide kind of all year. Not not that they're, you know, below 500, but it's just been super disappointing, especially the, especially the Blue Jays. I mean, you look at just the talent on that team. They have a lot of talent. They've got Springer. They've got Vlad. They've got uh, Bo Bichette. They've got you know, three really good pitchers in Alec Manoa, Jose Barrios, and Kevin Gosman. They've got a, they've got a ton of dudes. It's just been a disappointing year for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the right move. I mean, you saw what happened to the Angels after they fired Joe, uh, Joe Madden. So, um, you know, it didn't didn't work out well for him. So, um, you know, they've been, they've slid ever since. But uh, yeah, definitely a, a surprising move there. Yeah, one that I didn't really expect. Uh, they fired him after a 46-42 and 42 start to the year, and they won yesterday in their first game without him. So, I mean, I don't know what they necessarily expected coming into the season. I think everyone expected him to be, to be better than that. But I think still everyone thought that the Yankees would win division and that the Blue Jays would be fighting for a wild card spot, which they are right now. So I didn't know, you know, too much into why they fired him. Obviously, underwhelming apparently for their standards. but I was just a little shocked by the decision to fire him at this point. Um, but this upcoming week, All-Star Week is coming up. We will have the MLB Futures game where a team, two teams full of prospects will be facing off against each other. We will also have the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game itself, which will be the Futures game will be first, then the Derby, then the All-Star game in consecutive days. All but one of the slots are filled for the home run derby as there's going to be a bracket once again. There's going to be eight contestants. Seven of those eight have been decided in Pete Alonso, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Albert Pujols, Kyle Schwarber, Jose Ramirez, and Julio Rodriguez. Uh, really exciting field so far. be fun to see who the final 
um, contestant will be. But nonetheless, I think there's going to be some really good matchups that are, are going to take place. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I love, uh, you know, the Futures game is great. The Hermorn Derby should be fun. Um, you know, I think Jose Ramirez is kind of a surprising one, not necessarily a power hitter, but super cool to see. Uh, Julio, Julio Rodriguez, um, you know, I, I love I love the younger players in uh, in baseball, basketball, football, whatever it may be. Um, he's a rookie this year, so really glad to see him in there. He's, he's got serious pop in his bat. Uh, Pujols, kind of cool, kind of a career tribute type of deal. Um, he'll Whoever draws him round one gets a free pass to round two, basically. I mean, whatever, it's cool. Um, you know, I'm fully expecting that seventh to eighth slot to not have to really – not going to matter because – the biggest, strongest guy in the league is going to win, Pete Alonso, like he always does. Three Pete inbound oh, yeah. for the biggest and strongest MF in the league. It's just that simple. Ain't no way around it. So I'm looking forward to seeing him hit a ball 800 feet. Um, you know, maybe he'll put one into orbit. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't be the first time he's done it. Probably, you know, as big as strong as he is. So, you know. Yeah, the dude is uh, one of a kind. He's an absolute specimen there on the diamond. And be exciting to see what balls he can launch there in Los Angeles. Uh, but that's going to pretty much, pretty much wrap up what we got for y'all in terms of MLB today. going to shift over to the NBA before we touch on NFL to round out the news segments. Um, and not too much in the NBA this past week. Obviously, last week we had the run on signings with free agency opening about 10 days ago. But we did get a few signings. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and the Denver Nuggets reached a two-year, $30 million deal yesterday. Uh, I like that fit for him. I think that Denver's a young team. We're outside Jamal Murray. They got to help uh, Jokic, and they got to build around him. And I think Caldwell-Pope is a good uh, depth piece, and I think he'll fit nicely on that roster. Yeah, Lakers legend, KCP. Um, you know, played in a game with an ankle monitor. Uh, legend. Uh Hopefully stays out of trouble in Denver. Uh, but yeah, no, a good signing for them. That's a good budget deal. I think 15 million a year for him is actually a really solid deal. Um, underrated defender, uh, solid, solid score on the wing. Um, again, just some support for for Jokic. Um, and the guys had almost no help with Jamal Murray not being able to be on the field, so or on, on the field on the court. So uh, definitely a good signing there for Denver. Um, then Pat Connaughton agreed on a three-year 20, 28 and a half million dollar deal yesterday as well. Um, again, just Kind of a, a sneaky vet, uh, just a good basketball player, a guy who gets it done on the court. So not not a super surprising deal there, but um, yeah. Yeah, he's a really pivotal piece back when the Bucks won it a couple years ago, or last year. Um, but I, I mean, I look if the Bucks were healthy, they probably would have won it this year. And it's disappointing to see you know Chris Middleton couldn't stay on the court, but I think they'll be good next year. Um, obviously, when you have Giannis, you always have a chance. So it'd be fun to see how that turns out for him. Um, then we're going to – the biggest news of the NBA this past week was today, actually, uh, restricted free agent center DeAndre Ayton. He agreed to a four-year, $133 million maximum deal with the Indiana Pacers. And it is, it is an offer sheet to where it is not entirely official that he will be with the Pacers the next four years. Since he is a restricted free agent, the Phoenix Suns actually have until 2 p.m. Central on Saturday to match the deal. Uh, if he if he were to return to the Suns, he has the ability to veto any trade with them on the deal. Um, so if he wanted to be with the Suns the next four years, he could. Uh, but it's looking like he's going to go to the Pacers. I know the Pacers just waived four players to make cap space to sign DeAndre Ayton. So that'll be exciting for them. Um, you know, a guy a roster that you know you traded Sabonis uh, to the Kings, and you're kind of trying to get back to where you were. 
and maybe be a top four seed in the East. And I think they could get there. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, you know, they, they just waved a bunch of guys, like you said, uh, and Woj, you know, why, you know, Woj, it's kind of conflicting, right? So he reports that they wave a bunch of guys, but he's also reporting that the Suns in quote intend to match the offer, which I don't know why they'd match it. They don't want, they don't value him on the court at that price and they don't want him there long-term. Um, I mean, it's the largest restricted free agent contract ever. Um, but again, I, I I would feel bad for DeAndre Ayton if they were if it was to get matched by the Suns. Um, you know, they they show no interest in a sign and trade deal, which means um, you know they negotiate an extension, sign him, and then trade him, as opposed to getting this. You know, once they sign with this, once they match this deal, he can't be traded till January fifteenth. So, you know, they'd keep him for. You know, likely if they if they were to match the offer, keep him until January and then trade him at the deadline. I'd feel bad for Aiton. He misses out time on getting to be where he wants to be with the Pacers. And um, yeah, it's just confusing. Uh, you know, why the you know what what do they know that we don't uh, with the Pacers going and waving for guys and clearing that space for him, but also with the report from the same guy that they're going to match the offer. I'm not really sure what to believe. Um, for for Aiton's sake, I hope they don't match the offer. I hope they let him walk. I hope they let him go. Um, or at least they get a sign and trade done. I hope they do that. I mean, that, that's both sides win. The Suns get some compensation for him, and the Pacers get their guy, and Aiton gets to be where he wants to be uh, immediately. So hoping that's kind of how it goes, but, um, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, you know, Aiton is a guy that first overall pick a couple years back, really good player, uh, but with the way the Suns roster is, doesn't make a ton of sense for him to come back. Uh, they could replace him just the way they facilitate their offense. But it'll be fun to see if he does end up in Indiana. I think that'll be a really nice team there. Um, we're going to shift over to the NFL here a little bit this week, not too much. Um, just to kick it off, not really news, but a decision on Deshaun Watson's suspension should be finalized in the next couple of weeks. I know they said kind of mid to late July, and we're in mid-July right now. So expect for, you know, any time within the next 7 to 14 days for a decision to be announced. I know one report came out saying it could be a four- to six-game suspension. I don't get – I don't know how much validity is in that, but I would not. I would be very shocked, as would most others, to see that a suspension only six games while Calvin Ridley was suspended a year for gambling. Far lesser crimes, right? But gets a year because the NFL says so. But um, you know, I don't really know. I, I haven't looked into it, and I and I, and I maybe I will. Um, you know, if the ruling comes out and I really dislike it at that four to six games, um, you know, maybe I'll go look into how it happened. But there was a report early on that that Sean Watson's camp was there like arguing, like discussing it with the NFL, which I think is stupid. Why should his camp get to negotiate a suspension? They, sh- they shouldn't. It should be up to the NFL and, a, and you know, a legal team, uh, probably the NFL's legal team. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll kind of move on to some more, uh, you know, some more positive news here. A uh, longtime KC, uh, Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackle and Super Bowl 54 champ Mitchell Schwartz released a statement at 120 Central today announcing his retirement from the NFL. Um, guy who was a really good player for a long time played for the Browns for a little bit too um you know just 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 he was the epitome of like a lunch pail dude like he went to work every day uh, worked his butt off and it was a great right tackle he was never like the best right tackle in the NFL I don't think um he was always a top five right tackle in the NFL always did his job um got himself a couple bags and uh retired you know I don't think he played this last season um you know he kind of was in limbo and for agency for a while with his health issues on, uh, I believe he, yeah, he tore his Achilles uh, prior to the Super Bowl, I believe, or in the Super Bowl. So, you know, I think it was prior to the Super Bowl, he tore that Achilles. Um, yep. 
still a champ, of course, but tore the Achilles um, the year before, or the year, sorry, the year after they won the Super Bowl. Um, so I didn't play this past season, uh, but again, this guy, don't, don't, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, he probably isn't, but um, really solid NFL career, uh, definitely a modern era Kansas City Chief legend for sure. Yeah, definitely. A uh, guy, like you said, really, really good pro. Maybe someday he'll get into the hall, but definitely not first, second ballot. Um, but really impressive career from him. Definitely had a pivotal role on that Super Bowl roster and exciting to see him at least get a ring with his time in the league. But the current Kansas City Chiefs left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., who was traded to the Chiefs a year ago uh, from the Ravens, they're not close on a contract extension. Um kind of negotiating Orlando wants top money and Casey's kind of not willing to go that high. Um, the two sides are going to continue to try to reach a deal for the deadline tomorrow. I don't know if they'll reach one, but I mean, I like them to, um, cause I don't want Orlando getting that much money. It's just bad for the tackle market as a whole. And I don't know if someone wants to pay him the most, the biggest tackle contract in history, basically. I mean, it's not worth it. That's for sure. Um, he's not the best tackle in his division. He's not the best left tackle in the division. I mean, let's keep it a buck. Like he's just not. Um, he's also just I don't I just don't think he's worth best left tackle money. Um, again, I, I mean it doesn't shock me that he's gonna hold out for more money. He's definitely that kind of guy, especially with his time uh, with the with the Ravens. It's kind of his behavior there. Not really wanting to play right tackle, but did as like a last as a last resort type of deal. Um, even though he wasn't the best tackle on the roster. Um you know, forces his way out via trade because he couldn't play left tackle because the guy they had is when healthy, the best, the second best left tackle in the NFL. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. It's kind of lame. Listen, I, I hope they give him a stupid bag. Take up that cap space. I don't let him pay anybody else. That's fine. But, yeah. um, you know, make the Chiefs spend all the money they can. But, you know, maybe he's just an over, undercover Chargers fan and he just wants the Chiefs to pay him a bunch of money. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Just like just say like, just like Casey Close is just an undercover Dodgers fan. That's all it is. That's all that is. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I don't know if he's gonna get paid um, the money. I think they're gonna be kind of in limbo with his contract for the rest of the offseason. Um, and kind of some some uni news as the NFL has now allowed teams to have an alternate helmet. Why they didn't for a long time is beyond me. It's stupid, but whatever. Um, the sense the Cincinnati Bengals announced via Twitter this morning they'll be re- releasing a white bangle. Uh, uniform, which will have obviously the all white unis and then the white helmet, which has been a, a concept design for like 10 years, but it's going to be so clean. They're all whites are fire with the white yeah. helmet is going to be so sick. It's going to be, I already like their unis. I, I like their colors a lot. Actually, the orange, black, and white is super sick. Um, and like the, like the, like the, what's the right word? Like, the, like the, like the heat, like the color orange, it, like the, like the kind of orange it is. I don't know. I'm missing the word, but the kind of orange it is. Uh, it is awesome, and I think it's gonna be super sick. Um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be su- such a good uni with all white. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, there's a bunch of cool unis that, ha- that are gonna happen this year with that. The Falcons brought back the retro helmets. The Eagles brought back the old helmets. Texans finally have an all red helmet, which will be sick with the all red unis. Um, did they copy Texas Tech? Likely, but that's okay. I'll let it slide. Um, no, I, I think it's gonna be so cool. It's gonna be sick. No, oh, yeah, the Bengals. Best alternate helmet, best helmet overall in the league. Similar reasons to why I like the Orioles uniform so much. It's just that orange, black, and white go really well together. Um, Bengals, they're all white unis, even with the little orange Nike logo. It's fire. Um, Eater. If I ever, like, one of my favorite players went to the Bengals, I might have to get a color rush jersey of him. Um, 
regardless of how much I don't like the Bengals, the uniforms are sweet. The mascot is sweet. I mean, they're doing it right there and definitely gaining the following there, especially with the past year. Um, that's pretty much it. Like you said, we had the Texans red helmets this week. But other than that, no new helmets have been announced, I assume, for that those announcements to be picking up here as the offseason is underway and we're almost to training camp. Um, but after lots of speculation, uh, wide receiver Nikhil Harry, the former first-round pick of the New England Patriots in 2018, he was traded to the Chicago Bears for a 2024 seventh-rounder, so for nothing, basically. Um, a really good landing spot for him. I think he could find his footing in Chicago, and while he is written as a bum to this point, I think he could definitely – have a productive season for them and have a good role. I mean, Chicago's got arguably the worst core in the league at, at that position, and I think he'd have a good spot there and bond well with those young guys across the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a spot he gets to come in and compete for a wide receiver two spot day one, which he, the only team in the league he could do that at. Um, yeah, I think the skill set's still there. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Um, he's got a good quarterback. I'm, I'm, a, Justin, I'm a Justin Fields believer. Um, I'm a truther there, so I, I think it's going to be fine. I think he gets to learn from another young guy like Darnell Mooney, who's different skill set, but just I think he's just a really good receiver. I think being in a room, I, I think young receivers being in rooms with other with other good receivers is big, and he never got that in New England. So, you know, maybe being in a room with another good receiver helps him. But um, kind of wrap up the NFL segment here. The last news, and and people like this new name, and I think it's kind of lame. No, what no one's ever heard of this company. Um, Heinz Field is no more. The Steelers' uh, stadium is no longer Heinz Field. Um, it's now Acrisure Stadium. Acrisure is an is like a an insurance company slash like I don't even know what to call them. Like they're like an investment company, like partially. Yeah. They're I looked them. I've never heard of them. Looked them up. Uh, they're lame. Super lame name. It should have been something way cooler, but nonetheless, they get that. They're at a Grand Rapids in Michigan. Um, you know, upsetting that we won't see giant ketchup bottles next to the scoreboard anymore. Thought it was kind of cool. You know, I thought maybe like Hellman's could come in there and do something like craft, maybe with a little rivalry with the yeah. lines, but you know, not to be. Yeah, it's upsetting. Uh, definitely want to see them figure out something with the stadium, replace the ketchup bottles with something better, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, too bad they couldn't work it out. Like I said, would have been cool to see a little rivalry going there uh, with two condiment companies, maybe. Uh, but not to be, um, you know, the new stadium name is probably going to be there to stay for at least a couple of decades. So got to live with it. But uh, that'll wrap up all of the regular news for the pod today. Since it's a shorter episode and the ESPYs are next week, next Wednesday night uh, on ESPN. It's ESPN Awards, basically. Um, they do like 35 different awards. Uh, we're going to do our own version of that, the Cold Seat Awards. Uh, couldn't come up with like a cool name in like the hour that we decided to do this today before the pod, but that's all right. No worries. Um, so going to give them out. Um, we're going to give out four. We're going to do best NFL player, best NBA player, best MLB player, and then best overall team. Um, I did my awards based on like the, like the, like the last full season. Um, I guess with one, I guess with MLB, I kind of threw in part of the season, but I took into account largely like last season. Um, so like, Best player I took into account this last this last season just ended. NFL player, same thing. Um, MLB is a little harder, kind of mid midsummer to do this, but um, I did mine for like the, like last season mostly, and then like added some stuff in because this player's having a good year this year. And then best team, um, you know, I'm not gonna. I didn't I didn't do anybody that was like currently playing. I did like teams that are already won or whatever. But um, I don't know how you did yours. 
we didn't talk about doing this before. We just kind of like, hey, let's just add this on at the end if we have time. And here we are. We're doing it. We got time. Um, but I'll let you kind of break down how you chose your winners, and then we'll kick it off. Yeah, no, so you, you mentioned we have four awards, and I did it somewhat last season in mind, but it was mainly what currently is going on. Um, you know, partially just we probably have a few of the same uh, winners and just to mix it up a little bit and give her a different insight. So I did have last season in mind, but I also sprinkled in a little bit of what they're currently doing for their teams. Yeah, I like it. I think it gives kind of different perspectives. Um, but I also will start off with the best NFL player. I'll kick us off to start here. Um, I went with Aaron Donald. This is easy for me. Most dominant player in the league. Um, the most dominant player in the league the past f- five years. I won't say decade because Tom Brady exists still. Um, but the past five years has been the most dominant player in the league. Um, I don't think there's a be- an NFL, like a football player better that's better than him in the NFL anymore. Um, you know, TB12 isn't like the god he used to be. He's still a very good quarterback, but he's not like the end-all be-all anymore in terms of football players. Um, I mean, the Rams don't do nearly what they've done. They don't make it to they don't make it to two Super Bowls in the last what four years without him. Um, they don't win the Super Bowl this year without him. He I mean, Jalen Ramsey got cooked by Jamar Chase on the final play, and he was wide open, and Burrow couldn't get the ball off because Aaron Donald went through a triple team and got in his face. I mean, the, the guy's a monster. There's no other way to put it. He's the best player in the NFL. He's the most dominant player. He should have won an MVP by now, but they don't give that award to non-quarterbacks. So um, that's just my opinion. But um, I think he's he's I think he's got a few more years left, and by the time, by the time he's done, he might be the best defender ever, at least, at least the best front seven guy ever. Um, so, I mean, he's just – he's incredible. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his career plays out down the line. But I also picked Aaron Donald. Um, I was kind of thinking about Tom Brady, uh, but this is just as of more recent. Um, I mean, Aaron's been just as dominant as he was a few years ago. Tom had a really, really good statistical season. Um, it just didn't seem like it was quite as good as in years past. And so that's why I went Aaron Donald because he's at pretty much the top of his game. These last two, three years, and I expect him to continue to be at that top of his game uh, this upcoming season, which should be fun to watch. But I'm going to kick it off with the best NBA player real quick. We did differ on this award, uh, and I went with Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Um, I do really like Milwaukee. Um, I really like Giannis. I think he kind of is lacking in shooting, uh, but he's working on it more and more each year. Uh, It's getting better each year. Uh, he, I mean, he came into the league as a scrawny dude. He bulked up, and he's very dominant physically, and now he's working on his shooting. I mean, he could become an all-around force even more so uh, in the next year or so. So I, I really like him a lot. Uh, nothing against the guy you picked at all. I just like Giannis a little more. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think this – so I went with Nikola Jokic, uh, back-to-back MVP. Um, you know, he was, he was the most dominant player in the NBA last year, likely. Um, you know, without him, the Nuggets are – they have a top five lottery odds. Um, I mean, they would have been garbage without him. Um, and that probably goes for the, in 2020, 20, I guess the season prior to this, I don't know what to call it. Cause like with COVID and stuff, they delayed the whole season, but um, this season and the, both MVP seasons without him, they're like a top five lottery team. Um, now I'll say this. If I was creating like a top 10 NBA play, like top 10 players in the game list based upon like career and like other stuff, like other contributing factor other than like the London this past season, Giannis is probably top of the list for me. Um, I love Giannis. I'm a big Giannis guy. Um, Jokic, another guy who had a huge body transformation kind of over the course of his NBA career and his, and his I guess, amateur career in, in Europe. Um, but, yeah, I went with, I went with uh, Jokic just mainly based off the past couple of seasons, being back-to-back MVP and doing what he's done for the Nuggets. But, um, 
either of these guys is a great pick. There's a couple other players you could have picked that I wouldn't have argued about. A guy, a couple guys that I could have picked that I feel like would have been very valid. Um, best NBA players. I think it's always one of the most contested ones because there's so many great players and it's such an individual league. Um, but yeah, no. So I think we'll alternate here again, and I'll go. I'll go first uh, on the best MLB player. Um, I wish Oe Otani. He finally takes the crown from his teammate Mike Trout, who's been the best player in baseball for like literally the past decade. Um, maybe the best player. He's the best modern era player ever. Um, the guy's a monster, but Otani's doing something that nobody's ever done before. He's there's never been a single player in baseball that's been this dominant on the mound and at the plate. Um, he had a better year at the plate last year. Um, he was the MVP a year ago. Um, he had a historic year. And I think halfway through the season this year, he has he's looking he looks better on the mound than he did last year. I think he could be a legitimate Cy Young contender this year, um, which is insane. The guy is incredible. Um, you know, not as good at the, not as not as good of a year at the plate as last year, um, which is just with the absurd first half that he had, but uh, certainly looking better than he did on the mound last year. Um, it's a damn shame that his talents getting wasted with the angels. Same goes, same goes for Mike Trout, who I think is the second best player in, the, in baseball. Um, again, kind of based off the last full season as well, but basing those off of this season, he's, it's probably not him, but um you know, I stuck with him because he's had a really good year and he could still finish the year really, really strong. Um, but again, mostly based off last season with a historic year. And again, a guy who's literally doing something that has never been done before. I don't really care what people say about Babe Ruth. The guy was pitching and hitting against plumbers, guys that would not be playing professional baseball these days. So hey, I hate to break it to the old heads out there that or Yankees fans are like all over Babe Ruth. But no, if Babe Ruth got in the box today and saw the pitches that are being thrown by starters and relievers, if he saw a 102-mile-an-hour two-seamer with 18 inches of movement, he would relieve himself in his pants. I mean, it would be insane. So I don't want to hear it. Uh, he literally – like, guys that say that about, like, Michael Jordan, it's obviously a joke or, like, you know, he didn't actually play against bums. Like, Babe Ruth played against bums. So I'm going with Otani. Like, no question. Yeah. Um, I think when you ask most people who the best player in the league is, they're most likely going to say Mike Trout. And he is probably the best player in the league. Uh, no doubt Shohei is most impressive based off what he's doing. I mean, he's having really good numbers both ways, like you said. But my best player, uh, a lot of right now being factored into it, is Aaron Judge. Having his historical season offensively, um, maybe not the best defender out there in right field, but he's having an incredible season at the plate that more than makes up for his lack of defense. Um I mean, and the fact that he's six seven or whatever, doing what he does, and right in the middle of that lineup, and you know, willing the Yankees to what could be the best record of all time in the MLB. Um, I think without him, they're probably eight games worse. And I think while they're still likely win the division, uh, I don't think they have nearly the attention from outside fans that they do. Even being the Yankees, I just think. What he's doing for them is really impressive, especially after all the hype that surrounded him coming into the season and really living up to that is impressive. That's the guy I would have gone with. If I was basing it off of like this season only, that's who I'd have gone with for sure. Um, I think he's been the best player in baseball, no question. Um, but like I said, we we approached it differently, which I which I'm glad we did. I think it's cool we approached it differently. Um kind of gives different perspectives, which I which I enjoy um a lot. So you're up on you can go best team if you want to. Yeah, to wrap up our awards that we have for y'all before we do the ice bath, uh, best team is the Yankees, like I just said, with what Aaron Judge is doing and their pitching as well. It's been really well managed by Boone this year. Um, offensively, they've done, you know, some games have been hot, some games have been cold, but when they've been cold, their pitching has worked. So 
it's worked out the best case scenario pretty much for them as they're 36 games over 500, not even at the all-star break. Definitely could have a shot to break an all-time record. Like I just said, uh, it'd be really, really impressive to see if they end up doing that, especially with how good the division is this season to this point um, and how good the, the conference as a whole has been, or league, should I say, outside the AL Central, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, the Yankees are a team that most people hate if you're not a Yankees fan, similar to other Correct. teams uh, across sports. And I just think that, you know, even as an Orioles fan, which is the same division as the Yankees, it's really impressive what the Yankees are doing. And it'd be interesting to see if they keep it up. I mean, I don't mind if they keep it up because it's not like any team – really is fighting for the division. The division's pretty much wrapped unless the Yankees have a just like an insane collapse second half of the season. So it'll be fun to see what they can do. Um, but bet on as soon as I get to the playoffs, I want to see them lose. Um, no I'd love to see them break the record, the win-loss record all time. But as soon as I get to the playoffs, I'll take them losing. I'll disagree. I don't want to see them break the record. N- nah, I'm good. I'll, pa- I'll, pa- I'll pass on that. Um no, I think, like you said, it's really impressive. Um, it was hard for me to pick the Yankees because they haven't won a championship. Like, this team hasn't won anything. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I didn't pick them. Um, you know, I, I almost – I had a couple teams in consideration, but at the end all, be all here. Kind of, This is kind of a left field. Um, but this is the most dominant team in their respective sport. Like, in terms of, like, you know, Golden State Warriors went 73-9. and nine. They didn't win a title. All these teams that won all these games that were dominant – of like on the dominant scale, this team is the most dominant is the Oklahoma Sooners women's softball team. They lost three games the entire season, three games. I I think they won like 70 games or something like that. I got to look up the record because I didn't do it beforehand and I should have, but I was kind of in a rush to put this on paper. Let's see. OU softball record. They, they, they legitimately lost three games all year. And one of them was in uh, the college world series. So or the women's college world series. Like they quite, they were 59 and three. They won 59 games, 95.2% winning percentage. That is insane. So they're the most dominant team ever likely. And I'm going with them as the best team because no, there's no, no like the Warriors weren't more dominant than them. The Rams weren't the Braves who won a, who won a world series were not, um, you know, you can go in hockey, like the, the Tampa Bay Rays, the avalanche, neither, they, they were not more dominant. This team, yeah, they also have one of the best college players ever, um, Jocelyn Alo. Like, she ha- holds every hitting record, basically, I think. She broke the home run record, like, five games into the year. It was insane. Um, she's, in- she's insane. The whole team was crazy. I think – I don't know. I think they have, like, a draft for, um, like, to go to, like, the Olympic team, that kind of thing. Like, the- there's, like, a competitive league they can play in. Right. They- like, she was the first pick. They had, like, a couple other, like, top 20 picks, I think, something like that. I don't know how many picks there are, but I saw some stat at the gym on like the TV they had on like on SEC network that with like the draft stats or whatever, but definitely going with the Oklahoma Sooners softball team as much as I don't like the university of Oklahoma. I'm not a Sooners person, but the softball team, the dominance is you can't go without recognizing it. So um, yeah, absurd numbers again, 59 and three 95.2% winning percentage. They won the natty of course only lost three games. So got to tip the cap, got to show respect where respect is due. Oh, definitely. What they did was unprecedented this past season. They've been a really dominant team the past couple of years, but with all they did offensively pitching, um, I think their fielding percentage is also the highest. So really impressive stuff from them. Um, expect to see it continue. I don't know how many people are losing, but when you're that good, you're going to recruit really well. So 
they should be able to continue their success. Uh, but as we do the ice bath to finish out the episode, I'm going to get mine knocked out here and then I'll let you hit yours. Um, just shout out to the Orioles real quick for winning 10 in a row after being very doubted coming into the year as a bottom three team again. Um, as of now, it doesn't look like they're going to have the first overall pick again next year. Um, impressive stuff that, you know, they're like half a game out of a wild card spot right now. And Brandon Hyde's definitely my AL manager of the year to this point, uh, mainly based off this win streak. But obviously, when you look back at the record, it's because of the whole season. So I'd like for them to keep doing what they're doing and make it interesting here down the stretch. Now that it's a lottery, uh, no incentive to lose games. So should be fun to see how it plays out uh, across the whole division, really. Uh, but my other little point here, uh, Le'Veon Bell yesterday, he claimed that he will not be in the NFL this year, and he's going to shift all of his attention to boxing. Uh, I don't know what the plan is for him or who he's going to match up with. Uh, I don't know what weight class he's going to fight in or whatever. But I want to know if I can, like, buy a pay-per-view, if there's, like, a streaming service, like, Le'Veon fights or something, like, strictly boxing, just every Le'Veon fight live. I think that would be awesome to see. I want to see, like, non-boxers box. I think that's really funny to see how it goes and just the difference in fundamentals and everything. So I thought it'd be really funny to see. Well, I know he's fighting Adrian Peterson who I'm betting. Yeah. The house, I'm betting the house on AP. No question. Um, I'm going to throw this in. I'm going to throw this question in here. Cause this could be a potential hot take uh, from the cold seats. Do you think Jake Paul is a real boxer now? Legitimate question. Cause I've seen some people on Twitter going off about this, whether he's like a fake boxer, or he's a real boxer. I want, I want to know what you, what you think. I want to see one more fight against like a, a legit, a legit fighter. fighter. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll make a decision. But as of now, I'd say, yeah, I think he is a really impressive fighter and what he's done against who he's gone up against has been impressive. I, I will say he is, but again, I think you're right. I think I need to see a, like a fight again. He's he was only really fought one legitimate fighter and it was Tyron Woodley. He was a UFC fighter, not a boxer. Um, again, he, he is. I mean, he's does plenty of boxing. Like he did plenty of stand up boxing in the UFC. Um, but obviously the UFC is like mixed martial arts. It's not just boxing. It's a little right. more involved, but, um, I mean, I mean, granted Tyron Woodley's like super old now and washed, like he's not nearly what he was in the UFC, but he still beat him. So he's technically like a boxer, I guess. But like, if he, if he fight, I don't know who he's fighting next. I have no idea. I don't, I don't follow that unless it comes up on Twitter, like on the trending page, but like if he fights somebody legit and like beats them or, or like gets beat, but it's like a super good match. Then I'll say he's a bog for sure. A boxer, but mm-hmm. sort of just wanted to get that hot take on the cold seat from the cold seats real quick. Um, we're all going into my ice bath. Uh, I got, I got a couple this week. I'll make it quick though. Zach Wilson is that guy, pal. He's got all the dog in him in the world. If you don't know, Google it. Like you go look it up. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to get into it on the pod. Himothy. Hemi neutron hit. Him, Halpert. It's him. He is him. That's all I got to say. It's Himothy, like you said. So, you know, listen, Hemi Butler, whatever you want to go with, he is him. Top two QB in the league, and he's not two. Like I said, if you don't know already, go look it up. I The reports, people are talking about how they were false, but with Zach Wilson's latest Instagram post and his caption, they're definitely real. So I don't want to hear it. Definitely real. Most respected guy in the locker room in the NFL. No question. Don't care if he's a year two player. Don't care if he was kind of a bum last year. Most respected guy in that locker room now. No questions asked. Again, if you don't know, look it up. I'm not going to say it on all the pod, but he's him. 
Right. Yeah, no. Uh, Zach Wilson, stand-up guy through and through. I think what he, the value he brings to the team coming into the season is unprecedented. Um, I'm nervous as a there are week one matchup. Um, he might drop like 606 tuds on us, but I don't know. Um, he could drop a few other things as well uh, on us as a team. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up too high for that game. As well, I might still predict a win. Uh, I'm definitely a little, little more nervous than I was before coming into the week. It's going to be a track meet. I'm predicting a high-scoring game, no question. But I'll get into my second ice bath. This, this is a more wholesome one. There's a clip that went viral on MLB slash baseball Twitter. Steven Shock had it. John Boy had it. Uh, everybody had it, basically. Every big reporter or, or news outlet, if you will, in baseball, all like the individual guys had it. Pitching Ninja had it, all these guys. It was a, vi- a video of 11-year-old Tommy Morrissey, who only has one arm. He's got, he only has a left arm. I think you believe he was born without his right arm. He still hits absolute nukes, though. Homie put one beyond over the wall, out of the out of the little league ballpark, at the plate with one arm. So, you know, homie is dropping tanks with one arm. So shout out to this kid. He's a monster, Tommy Morrissey. Um, kid's got to be the best ever. Like no no question, he's the goat. He's him again. He's also him, Himothy, Hemi Neutron. So. You know, that, that's um, super cool to see, though. Really, really, really awesome, wholesome story. Um, Tommy Morrissey, probably never going to hear this podcast, but if he ever does, keep putting him over the wall, King. Keep doing you. I hope he makes the league because I would love to see it. This, guy, this kid's awesome. Like I said, homie's up there just raking. I mean, absolutely putting balls into orbit the way he's hitting these things. I mean, it, it was actually very impressive. Just like the exit velo off the bat for 11 year old is impressive as his left, like let alone the fact that he's got one arm. So shout out to this kid. He's a goat. He's the King. He is him. I was going to say, it's probably like 200 miles an hour off the bat. Um, he could be hitting wood and still, you know, he give Pete Alonzo a run for his money. I want to see a little, maybe he can be the eighth contestant in the home run derby. I want to see Alonzo get some real competition. Maybe we can chalk it up to where they're a final round matchup. So that'd be no fun doubt. to see. But not but, uh, for real. That dude hit. That dude hit. He rakes. There's just a couple other videos yeah. that popped up, like in the in the replies that are legit. And we just, I just got this tweet. This sent to me from from a from a an acquaintance, a friend of mine, uh, Barstool Sports. Twenty minutes ago, again, it's Barstool. So like, I don't know if there's a ton of validity. It seems like this is legit though. That Apple is likely to win the rights to NFL Sunday Ticket for three billion a year. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that, that but, is legit. Yeah. Dang, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, that that should be good though. I mean, it should yeah. be a little smoother and just everything working. Listen, as an NFL ticket subscriber, NFL Sunday ticket subscriber, I hope they make it better. That it, it's awful. It is maybe the worst platform ever. Let alone I'm giving them my money, but still it sucks. So, you know, whatever. All right, yeah. I mean, Apple taking it over, Apple's kind of taking a lot of stuff over. Um, it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, probably just touch on that quickly when there's a final decision on who's going to overtake it from direct TV. Um, that's pretty much it for the podcast, right? Uh, near an hour today for y'all, uh, exciting stuff. Didn't have quite as much news, obviously added those four awards that we talked about with the ice bath, uh, fun stuff. We're going to have episode 21 next week where we have an MLB draft recap and a few other things. We're going to recap the open as well. So be sure to stay tuned, subscribe to us or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cold seat podcast. And we're going to probably still do these Thursday episodes a little bit longer. And then we're here, we are going to announce a little bit of a revised schedule here in the next month or so. So make sure to be stay tuned 
for that. Um, we announced on Twitter, Instagram, and the podcast itself. Um, so thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it, and we'll see you all next Thursday. Shout out Tommy Morrissey, and we'll see you guys next Thursday.